this is Jamie and this is Heather and welcome to Using Our Inside Voice, a podcast where we awaken to the extraordinary meaning of everyday mundane life by passing it through a particle collider of different and differing perspectives. Today we're using our inside voice to talk about early shadow season, crazy sleep, and the vague experiences that we've got a sneaking suspicion will weave themselves into some kind of bigger picture and transform into a big, wild, wonderful reveal. Will it happen in this episode? (laughs) Your guess is as good as ours. I hope so. (laughs) I truly hope so, because it's been a a humdinger of a morning already. (laughs) We've had all sorts of fun. We've had technical issues, and I had I had a asshole cat that woke me up at five o'clock this morning and would not <laughs> let me go back to sleep. So I watched all the things and then promptly forgot all the things. Like the minute I I went to actually start talking to Heather about it. So this will be fun. Don't you hate it when you think you're awake enough to do shit, but you're actually still in that twilight sleep, Dude. but you feel awake. Dude, it happens, like, it's been happening a lot lately, and this morning it's really thrown me because I was so, like, ooh, ooh, awesome information. This ties a lot of things together. This is going to be great. I have shit to talk about. And then just now I'm, I'm like, trying to go, okay, so this is kind of what I got this morning from watching all the things, and I went to go tell you, and I'm like, uh what the fuck did they say (laughs) i don't remember but here's the other weird thing like this does happen from time to time and usually what will end up happening is as soon as we actually get on to start talking about stuff it's like it'll all kind of start coming back and this is the same sort of thing that we've talked about before where like i know a lot of people will get really bummed out if if they're doing some sort of guided meditation and they fall asleep, they think they've missed something. Mm -hmm. And, and something that we know to be true is that, you know, sometimes the, your, your guides or your spiritual team or your angels or whoever it is that you work with will kind of sideline you and put you down for the count a little bit so that you're out of the way enough to actually receive whatever messages you need to receive. So it's not always a bad thing. And I have found that it actually starts to work that way, like even after the fact, like if you're trying to talk about it and you can't recall it right away, don't get hung up on it. Just go about your business and keep going with your conversation start somewhere else and most likely where it needs to interject itself is where all of a sudden it will kind of pop into your head and be like ta-da right so that happens to me all the time with dreams like i'll wake up and i'll be like whoa that dream was weird and crazy i gotta tell someone and then there's no one around to tell at that moment and so um thinking it's way too crazy to forget of course I make the rookie move of not writing it down and then I do forget it. But then it gets triggered at the weirdest time, like nine o'clock at night and I'm talking to my brother and I'm like, oh my God, I got to tell you about the whale. (laughs) So here it is. I have a thing. I have a thing that I need to tell you. 
Why? Why did the whale come up right now during this ghost show? I don't know. Yeah, ghosts and whales. Who ghosts knew? and whales. You know, everybody ghosts knows they're connected. Is that ghosts and whales and ghosts and whales? And no, and whales. no, no. It's Absolutely not. And, not. It's no. not a boots and cat situation. No, it is not a boots no? and cat. No. Oh. No. Oh, I thought uh, I had something there for a second. You really did not think that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I think I think one of the main things that we wanted to touch on today, and we were talking about it the other day, is, is shadow season on a whole. And this has been continuing to come up over the last couple months. I'm sure we've we've talked about it in, in other episodes. I know we've mentioned it that um, you know, it's it's coming earlier and earlier every year. We're seeing more. Um, of course, you know, it's, it's not like you have to wait until the leaves start to change color in order to do shadow work. Hell, if we waited for the leaves to change color, we'd never do shadow work because we live in Southern California. And let's face it, we have no seasons. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's one of those things where generally... When you're looking at the wheel of the year and the seasons and and kind of how everything develops over the course of a year, there there are natural times that certain things happen, and um, it's always interesting Ooh, when you're wait, considering. Wait, you know what I just heard? What this ties what? into what you were saying right before we went on the air. What I just heard was you said, if you look at the wheel of the year, there are certain times that lend themselves to certain work, that kind uh-huh. of thing. And what I just heard in my head was, well, there yes and no. yeah, there this were. ties into the time yeah. thing. It does tie into the time thing. You're right. So skipping ahead or maybe not skipping ahead, if we're taking in consideration the conversation that we're about to have about time. Um Another thing that's been coming up is the fact that it is getting harder and harder to time. And when I say it's getting harder and harder to time, that's kind of like us saying it's hard to brain today. Uh, It's getting harder and harder to follow along with a linear timeline. I feel like things are popping up when you don't expect them to or or things that you've kind of previously done or kind of floating back to the surface in a way that makes you question when certain events happened um and one of the things that i watched this morning again i think we've we've mentioned before we watch um one of the one of the additional channelers that we watch is ann tucker and I have been kind of dragging my feet on watching some of her more recent stuff. So I've watched the last three updates of hers. I watched that all this morning because cat woke me up at five o'clock in the morning and I could not go back to sleep. Um, so one of the things that she was discussing that she channeled from, from the angels was that um, we're, we're slowly shifting out of the kind of following of a linear timeline the way that we have been 
And we're seeing evidence of that in like, as, as we are trying to recall something or, um, you know, if we're getting kind of lost in something that we're doing and, you know, a significant amount of time has passed and it seems like two seconds has passed, things like that, things of that nature. And this very much does fall in line with recognizing that shadow work is coming up um, in different, in different quote unquote times now. It's either seeming that it's happening earlier or in different seasons. Generally, when you think about the wheel of the year and how seasons work and how the earth kind of works in tandem with those seasons, you know, when you get to the fall, fall is really the the end of your well beginning and end of your harvesting season you you've already planted your seeds you've tended to those seeds you have the you know those seeds have turned into fruit and and now you're harvesting that fruit or that bounty or or what have you you're you're seeing the fruits of your labor basically and as you're getting to the end of that process, there's whatever is left over that needs to be plucked off the vine so that new things can grow. So when you kind of put that into spiritual context, shadow season is about several things. But one of the things that happens during shadow season is that you're kind of getting rid of or, or investigating those times when you've gathered something or you've gone through something and there's you know pieces of that that you haven't dealt with yet that need to be shed or or looked at and kind of um evaluated and you kind of figure out well is this something that needs to be carried with me into the next season or is this something that i can uh take a deeper look at and release and shed um you know that is the very bare basics of what shadow work is and we usually think of it in alignment with fall not only because of that in particular but also because that thought of the veil being thin and the access to your ancestors your guides um you being a lot closer to what's on the other side and you can use uh, all of that extra help to kind of help you move through those periods. So right now what we're seeing is that you're, we're, we're kind of losing some of that connection with it just being a fall thing or, uh, you know, not, when the some veil is not some of the connection. I haven't resonated with shadow season in years. Like I'm doing shadow work all the live long day, you know, uh, uh, I don't need a season for it anymore, but it's not because shadow season is no longer a thing. It's because I'm more connected on a regular yes. basis. So it's more that it's not a thing for me anymore. 
Yeah. And, and it's the same, and it's the same for me, but, but now I'm starting to see that with other people, you know, I'm starting to see other people who would normally kind of wait or, or at least start noticing maybe, or paying attention to the cues a little more closely during the fall season, because that's when they're expecting it to happen. That's when they're kind of, you know, maybe quote unquote planning to do that work. So that's when they're a little more connected. That's when they're turning their attention to that kind of work. So that's really when they're picking up on it. But I'm starting to see even in the grand collective that more people are starting to shift to do that work and um and it's and it's happening earlier and earlier or at multiple times during the year and maybe maybe they go a little bit deeper during the traditional fall season of when you you know had traditionally thought that shadow work is in but i am i'm seeing it more spread out now and i'm seeing more people start to recognize it um and and maybe they haven't spoken about it as shadow work per se Mm -hmm. but when i mention it that way a lot of people i am i'm seeing more people go yes yes that is a thing that's happening i've been dealing with that um recently and and maybe i hadn't thought about it that way but that's that's what it is um so that has that's been really interesting and another thing that she brought up and and as I was talking, they showed me the vision, the same vision that I had this morning. Um, she kept referencing uh, snakes. And uh, this was kind of in relation to like some of the other things that she was saying, not so much the time, but the shifting process and and what we're shifting into and how we're shifting into it. And the time thing was a part of it, but but she was bringing up more of the um connect disconnect disconnecting a little bit more from the thinking mind and going into that heart space area a little bit more and and doing more of our processing through the heart which is definitely a thing that happens during shadow season that's definitely a part of trauma work um because i feel like we we truly don't get to those points of reconnection with those lost parts of ourselves until we view it more from that heart space area um well i've been crying for the last two days so that's what you were saying heart heart space activated i had been i'm crying over trauma um specifically the loss of a pet uh that happened last year and but I'm also crying over uh, missing people from my life and I'm crying just as hard and just as often over gratitude things, which sounds so cheesy. I know. Um, in fact, this, <laughs> I'm reminded as we talk about this, the, of a conversation I had with a friend yesterday, yesterday, I don't know. I'm not timing. Well, it might've been the day before <laughs> <laughs> she was talking about how, um, how a friend of hers hates the term shadow work. And I can completely understand because when we use something, when we use these terms, shadow season, shadow work, um, gratitude, 
they're eye-rolling terms because they've become jargon in the spiritual community. And when something transitions from a communicative term that makes something simple to discuss among people who share that terminology, and it transitions into jargon, we just can't help but want to dismiss it because we've heard it so many times and it, you know, we all know what it means. And oh my God, if you talk about that one more time, I'm going to punch you in the neck. I get it. But at the same time, there is no other way to talk about it that automatically sort of conveys the meaning built into yeah. it. So until we have a better term and we invite you, we invite you. Please, Please, by all means, come up with a better term than shadow work. I'm sure Jung won't mind. Um, you know, if there's, it, hit us up on Instagram and maybe we'll meme it, you know? There you go. <laughs> that'd be a great, that'd be a fun artwork to do for Instagram. But <laughs> long story short, it is gratitude that I've been feeling. I've been very thankful. I've been spending a lot of time, not in my home, but with my home. And what I mean by that is that I've been really looking around and becoming conscious of all of the beautiful things. Fuck, I'm going to cry. Fuck you. You suck. Okay. All of the beautiful things that my mom, you know, because this is my childhood home that I'm in and my mom has passed and she worked her ass off to set me up with a beautiful life. And I spent a lot of years guilty that even though she spent all that time setting me up with a beautiful life, I wasn't doing anything to maintain it. I wasn't succeeding. I didn't feel like I was succeeding with properly utilizing the leg up she gave me. And I had tons of guilt regarding that tons of guilt. And recently you know, regarding the term snake, which seems to be coming up a lot, I'm experiencing a very large shed of that guilt. Yeah. And that shedding of that guilt is, it's not going to look like, oh, wow, I no longer feel guilty. That, that feels so good. I noticed that I do not feel guilty. That's, that's not what it translates to. What it translates to is an exchange. And that exchange looks more like, you know what? I really want to enhance this property. I really want to give love back to the love that was given to me. I really want to take care of and correct and improve things in my environment. I really want to utilize what's been given to me that's the kind of gratitude that I'm talking about. I'm talking about meeting gratitude, being thankful for it, but then, you know, it goes so much further than being thankful for it. It goes into wanting to, gosh, how do I even say it? I'm feeling it and putting it into words is so difficult. It goes past being grateful for in the traditional sense and surpasses that into wanting to foster it and help it flourish. We can wake it up, wake up something that's wake been it up dormant. And expand it because you start to realize when you start to shed the guilt, you start to realize that that energy is still there. So, so something that came up 
and this is what I was trying to get to before I kind of backtracked to kind of describe what was going on. But the, the image that I had received this morning when she was talking about um, the snake and the shedding of the, the skin as part of this shifting energy, the, the thing that they showed me was, was what actually happens when a snake starts that process. It is not a pretty process. The first thing that happens is very traumatic. A snake goes blind. They lose their sight, or, you know, or they they lose that that sense of they don't have very strong eyesight. They they start to lose some of their 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 extra senses that help right. them navigate their world as they shed. And now, you know, you, you have this kind of molting process, which this thing that has been part of their protective skin is is starting to come away so they're very sensitive they're much more sensitive to their environment and to things around them their their senses are not keen and on point as they normally would be so things that they would be able to naturally sense out and and get a feel for and have an understanding of that would then help them navigate the rest of their natural world is null and void they are kind of completely in a place of ultimate vulnerability and it is a very scary stressful anxiety-ridden time but necessary in order to get to that next stage they have outgrown the protective layer that they have had and you have to step into that new layer. But in order to do that, you're going through this period of time that is very traumatic, that has, you know, that, that is just full of triggers and they're natural. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever been around a snake that is shedding. When I was 15 years old, for some reason, I bought my best friend at the time a snake for her birthday and so i remember quite well watching this whole process happen for the first time in person and watching the snake that i knew to be you know very comfortable around people and and very comfortable with her owner and with me because i was over a lot and handling the snake a lot and and watching that first shed season process and it was crazy because she struck out at everything i mean it was so sad to watch this poor creature that knew her environment so well be so foreign in that environment and would you know strike at the glass in her her terrarium and you know would we even had to take feeding was difficult because she couldn't sense the mice and like normally they like live mice and we couldn't give her live mice because the mice would kind of start to, once the mice understood that oh this this predator is not on its game the mice would start like biting and things like that and then 
the snake would freak out and go and coil under its rock and it was a really crazy thing to witness but you see this happening in the collective right now we're all in this big shift and we're all in a place where we are shedding old things and it's important to remember to not only be kind to yourself but to be kind to others even when it seems like they are just lashing out and saying nonsensical things and maybe um you know or insensitive things being belligerent being belligerent and it's not to make an excuse necessarily for the actions but just to be more mindful of the fact that in this bubble in this particular space of of where a lot of us are at right now with that kind of work we are experiencing that same kind of trauma of shedding a skin something that's been so familiar to us for so long that you know now that the cover is off you you do you feel very vulnerable and it's very scary to feel that vulnerable and and i think that's something that as as we are navigating the shadow season and and all of the things that are coming up with you know shifting out of time and shifting into you know new concepts of of how 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 to deal with things and how to um how how to even see our own knowledge that was kind of another thing that she was talking about was you know how to see what we've accumulated a little bit differently and maybe not leaning so much on on the knowing but leaning more into the feeling and that is a huge part of of what we're all going through collectively right now so like that's kind of the nice neat summation right of everything that i watched this morning but there are there are definitely ways to dive in deeper to each of those pockets oh absolutely and i think it's important that you know because the one thing that was coming up as you were talking about the snake and and having its senses dulled in the shed it's important to understand that part not part of the reason, the reason that you feel so vulnerable as you're shedding is because your, your senses aren't being compromised as in being removed. Mm -hmm. Your coping mechanisms that have taken the place of your senses are being removed. Removed. Exactly. Exactly. And you do not yet know how to tap in to your actual natural senses. And, and your that, actual deeper knowing, which is from the heart space, not from your brain. Well, and that's part of your natural senses. Yeah. I would say, you know, it's yeah. like we're all aware of our nose, our eyes, the, you know, but when you are shedding through shadow work, you are shedding the old stories that you felt kept you safe, but are actually keeping you from expanding. 
and you are headed into expansion and it really is it's ironic because in a way it's the great unknown because your conscious mind has no idea where it's headed but in a different you know in in a completely opposite way it is the only thing you should know. It is so innate, and I was thinking about this this morning, it's so innate, these senses that you're going to be able to tap into as a result of discarding, let it, uh-oh, <laughs> oh, bass face. <laughs> Why am I seeing bass face? <laughs> so what they just told me is what, it's, what it actually is, is the great unraveling. Exactly. And if And if we put that into context, you and I, it's a lot of things that I've, I have personally encountered with, with the images of the, the entangled, the, the Massive entangled knot. jewelry analogy. Yeah. It's the great unraveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of, all of those things that have been knotted up and have been uh, very inconvenient and difficult to, work around and work with because so many pieces were interconnected in in ways where you just you there was no way to find the beginning or the end in order to untangle it it was mm -hmm. too finely woven and it wasn't something that you could just cut because if you if you cut something in the in the wrong space you were going to sever something that that you really needed to be intact right so so this is so the the big wide mouse bath bass what am i saying <laughs> the wide, wide mouth bass <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> that heather just saw on on the zoom was was the realization that you know, unraveling of the unraveling of all of those very tightly woven, um, you know, pieces of ourselves that have needed um, to be looked at again, but in, in a new way. And this is kind of the time for that. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's just so much is coming up. Oh, and I see a face. Now I see a, a Heather oh, face. Oh, okay. So they've been showing me uh, part of a download that I received a few days ago. And what they had said then was that previously when we incarnated, we planned in detail those lifetimes. And those lifetimes they likened to woven patches. Uh, Actually, what I'm seeing is remember when you were little and you'd get those like loom pot holder kits, um, some some someone's grandma always gave you one of those. And and when you were done with the loom, it would create a pot holder kind of that you could theoretically use. Um, but it was a complete patch, a woven patch, and there were no frayed edges. And they said that though, that's what your lifetime was. Those, that's what your lifetimes used to look like because the, the weave of that lifetime was your guide because you were meant to be asleep. The energy supported you being asleep and having a very removed experience from unity, from source, from realizing you're part of all that is, you know, spirit, insert spiritual mumbo jumbo here. But what they showed me in that download was that 
when we incarnated during this lifetime, it they showed me an an unfinished piece. And that what you when you begin to awaken during this unfinished piece, the frayed edges are individual threads that all sort of taper off and there's a transitional phase for you to be off book, so to speak. As they say in the theater, you know, you're off book, you've learned your lines and now you're going off book and you're going to make up the rest of the script as you go along. And they're showing me, I, very specifically, I, I felt after my mom died, I felt a, a huge sense of, well, I don't know how this is going to sound, but completion. And, uh, and it transitioned me into an awakening phase around 2012. And that awakening phase, I as I started to lean into it, it really started to feel like I was living two lives. And the farther I got into the awakening phase of this lifetime, the more it felt like the life I had lived previously, even though it was the same timeline, it was the same lifetime, it was the same container, it felt m more and more foreign. Like I looked at the person I was, I looked at the beliefs that person held, and I could see the threads running through that woven aspect of the lifetime of who I was still. Those didn't change. But what did change was all of the 3D earth, this is how life is, these are expectations, this is what success is, this is what you do, you get married, you have babies, you do all that stuff. Those really started to crumble away. Now, I never subscribed to those ideas and ideals to begin with, but I didn't have any idea how to live outside of them. I rebelled against them, I resisted them, but I didn't create outside of them. I didn't know how to step into that energy. But so what they were showing me while you were talking was that these, these frayed edges of this weave of a lifetime are those constant threads that are you. But what you brought in with you to dismantle once you get to the fray because of course, once you get to the fray, you start connecting with your higher self, your higher guidance, your angels, your guides, source, whatever you want, you believe is what you're working with. That's what you're connecting with at that point, instead of using the pre-woven lifetime template that you come in with. That's the transition we're making, right? And what they showed me was that once you get to that point, your work becomes, like you were saying, unweaving all of that and what you came into this particular lifetime knowing that it was going to be the beginning the burgeoning of that awakening for humanity being in the lead meant that you created a lifetime that was made of all the triggers that you had yet to heal from every other lifetime and instead of doing a master class on that one trigger like you had in lifetimes before you had all the triggers, you had all the things, you had all the traumas and abuses. And so if you're thinking to yourself, this is a shit show, why is my life such a goddamn dumpster fire? This is why. Because yeah. the work of awakening means you have to unweave 
everything that's left so that you can transition. And this is what Ann Tucker was talking about a couple weeks back. Yeah. Transition into Dharma. And this is, this is the time that you get to create your original artwork. Yes. This is, and you your, have, your, this is the time you have to create you have to. your original artwork. But the problem is, is that we're so removed from being artists on this plane in this dimension that we have no clue how to even begin. You know, it's like you start with when you're a baby, you start learning to walk and talk and do things for yourself. But it's been so long since we were babies that we really have forgotten how we didn't know anything. Yeah. And how do you conceive of not knowing anything when you've been on the planet for decades at this point? Yeah. And that's really what's happening when you when you get into the 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 frayed edges of that weave that you came in with because you've you've done enough work to be able to see through and around the trauma that previously blocked your vision and made made the illusion look so real when you start to dismantle that illusion there's nothing at first to take its place yeah and it's scary as hell well and it just seems daunting because you know you've again you've been here a while you've been doing the things you've lived through a lot and the thought of i'm going to start over again because essentially that's that is what's happening maybe not as um maybe not as all uh you know dramatic as as starting completely over again but in a way you you are because you're you're stepping into you're you're stepping into a different version of yourself a version that that is more trusting of itself and that's definitely something that we have been conditioned not to do we have all been conditioned not to trust our inner knowing not to trust our heart not to trust you know the 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 very inner burning and desires that that lead us to amazingness <laughs> right don't trust your passion don't trust your instinct don't trust your gut you'll so, fail are you sure you right are you sure about but that? you'll need a backup you'll you'll just need a backup you know we we have been conditioned to believe that failure is eminent and inevitable and that if we don't trust in the systems that were put in place to help humanity and the collective that we will die or Never worse sure. we will suffer huge consequences yeah, yeah. that we're not prepared for and we're spreading ourselves so thin in the process and this is what leads to burnout and this is what leads to you know all of these breakdowns and thoughts of like oh, but i haven't made it yet i haven't you know i haven't checked off everything on the list yet or you know that five-year plan that i created is a piece of shit and i haven't you know i haven't checked off anything on that list we're putting so much pressure on ourselves without realizing how could you possibly achieve any of those things when you are spreading yourself so thin that you can't put your you don't have enough energy to put towards any one thing to the point where you can actually achieve that 
thing. We want to throw everything out so quickly. It's like, oh my God, I tried it once and it didn't happen. Okay, but I have to find a new way. But there's a reason and it's so important that I'm just tapping into. I was kind of tapping into it last night as I was, you know, I had time to myself. No one was here and it was dark and I was outside in the pool just bobbing around like a harbor seal and looking up at the stars and talking to my guides. That's, that's what my night looked like last night. And I was, you know, listing the things that I was grateful for, but really feeling into it. And when you were talking just now, I realized that part of the reason we don't allow ourselves any time to actually manifest things is because of this conditioning that tells us time is not on our side. We, we go in with a perception that we're already out of time. And I remember when I was younger from, from very early, if not the beginning of this life, all the way into my late to mid twenties, I'd say I had a huge fear of running out of time. And I didn't know where it came from. I didn't understand it. It didn't really make any logical sense to me. I just remember always feeling I was too late. I had missed the boat. I was never going to be able to do it now because I was too old. Like I was 19 and I was too old. And I realize now that that mindset is instilled in us from such an early age that 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 our parents are constantly worried they're not going to have enough they're not going to be enough they're not going to make enough they're not going to get recognized enough they're not going to be given enough and that's the thing is that the disempowerment narrative goes all the way back because our parents come by it through not just their lifetime but their parents lifetime and those parents, parents' lifetime. And and great, 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 go back as many greats as you want. There is this overarching theme of there won't be enough. That feast will not last and it will be famine. So something else that just popped up for me as you were talking, (laughs) and this is how this goes. So if you're just catching us for the first time and you're like, how is this working? Like, I don't understand this conversation that's happening between these two. This is how this happens. Yeah. We can get on the air not knowing what in the hell we're going to talk about. And five seconds into the show, all of a sudden everything clicks and comes together. Right. And this is why we do this. Because we're this like, is... we're two prongs on a, on a plug. <clears throat> we are, we are wonder twin powers activate. And... <laughs> is what we are and um so so what what they kind of pinged me with was you know we have this this knowledge of when we were younger we soaked up so much so fast like there was a lot of shit we learned in a very condensed amount of time relatively and if you think about it it's like well no shit because we didn't have all of those other distractions it was easy to pick something up like a language or how to walk or how to run or how to navigate society yeah because we didn't have all of those presets kind of ingrained in us yet that took a while to happen so 
now it's a matter of thinking, well, yeah, duh. Like that's literally what we were just talking about. We have, we have slowly been putting ourselves through some sort of crazy Houdini magic trick of like putting on a straight jacket and like chaining ourselves to a cage underwater with, you know, and hiding the keys upside down, (laughs) hiding the keys, all the things. And now when we struggle to get free from that, if it doesn't happen within 30 seconds, we're like, that's it. We failed. We die. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that's not how that works. The lion though. got me. The lion got me. I knew the lion was gonna get me. I always knew the lion was gonna get me. I'm such a bad magician. I can't do anything. <laughs> I suck at life. I suck at life. While you but... were talking, while you were talking, they said something to me. They said your inner child is your inner power. Oh, hell yeah. That's why it's so important to heal those younger aspects of you because they're imprisoned in that trauma. And when you start to crack the shell of that trauma and you start to remove that pain, they are able to unite these inner child aspects. And the more inner child aspects that unite, the stronger the will becomes of the child. And the will of the child expedites the process, expedites the process. And on top of expediting the process, you need what you had as a child and lost transit. Oh, no. That's where that time. I don't want to talk about that. It's going to make me cry. Oh, man. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Fuck. All right. Okay. So finishing what I was saying unlocking those aspects of your inner child, they unite, they become stronger and they become an overpowering presence within you. And they, they interact with this 3d world completely differently than you have been reacting to it. They wanted me to say reacting. You haven't been interacting. You have been reacting. Reacting. A child interacts and an adult reacts. And so what you're doing is you're, wow. they're on fire today (laughs) what you're doing is you're healing all of those fragments to come back together so that there's enough of you of your essence to tap into interaction which is how you manifest rather than reaction and they started this little lesson several weeks back when they gave me a download that as all downloads do it came out of nowhere but when I say it came out of nowhere I mean I wasn't thinking of anything in the realm of this. They started by showing me an instance where I was 11 or 12 and I was with my mom at at a restaurant and the restaurant had this neat ceiling fan, like kind of a old timey, maybe 1800s sort of ceiling fan set up and it had, you know, belts between the fans. It was just really cool to look at. But of course I was at that, you know, tween stage where I was like, everything's uncool and it's not cool to think something's cool. And so we were sitting in the booth that had the high backs and, and we were having like a mother daughter lunch or something. And she was looking up at the ceiling fans and she was kind of marveling. And it was this childlike marveling that made me incredibly uncomfortable. And I remember her saying to me, Oh, Heather, 
Oh, Heather, look at the ceiling fans. Aren't they amazing? They're just so great. And I was like, uh, okay, whatever. Like, I'm too cool to really recognize. But the reason they showed me that is because I realized, looking back at that 11-year-old who was sitting there, that my mom's childlike appreciation represented an abandonment and a vulnerability to her inner child that I no longer felt safe having in myself. So I had to deflect the energy she was sending to me by being a stink face about it. And that helped me feel protected. I could have never told you at the time what I was protecting myself against. I literally viewed it as, you know, I'm too cool for school. And if I really was too cool for school, I wouldn't be using that terminology. So that shows you how far I've come. Anyway, what they said was that there's this transition. It's just another part of the shadow and light cycle that happens as we come here and incarnate on this planet. When we start to transition and when, you know, for those of you out there who have children, this is going to be an important little nugget. When we start to transition from a space of being in the moment as you are when you're a child and interacting with your environment freely and with that sense of vulnerability and abandonment, you don't even feel vulnerable. You don't know you're being vulnerable. You don't know enough yet to know the difference between vulnerability and, and invulnerability. But when you start to transition into your teen years, what happens is, is that you start noticing your environment more and you start taking on the woes and views of your parents. And your parents inevitably have taught you to be fearful because they're fearful. They're fearful of not having enough, not enough money. How are we going to pay that bill? How are we going to afford her school? How are we going to make sure she doesn't get attacked? How are we going to make sure that, you know, she's growing up properly? Um, does she look like she's gaining weight? They're, they're hyper-focused on their external environment. So you start to learn that you need to be hyper-focused on your external environment. And that external environment starts to become a very scary place. And you start to perhaps get resentful. Maybe you dive in consciously all the way, but there's always going to be a part of you. And the trauma seed is that you are taught to, to guard so deeply that inner child that you just start from that point layering and layering and layering on protection levels. And when you start to protect that inner child like that, it's a process that doesn't stop until you get to the point where you feel it's necessary to break away from your parents and strike out on your own. And what you're unconscious of nine times out of 10 when you go to strike out on your own is that there's a hope deeply, deeply, deeply embedded in you coming from pinging from that inner child that's been so buried under all those protective layers that they can hardly breathe. They're still alive somehow, but they can hardly breathe. And the hope is that when you break free from your parents and all the bullshit expectations that they've heaped on you, that you will strike out on your own and uncover that inner child that used to so freely interact and manifest in its environment. 
And the way that this tends to display itself most prominently, at least in the eyes of the parents that are seeing it, and maybe it's just because, maybe I'm seeing this from my point of view because it's how it happened for me. When I got a boyfriend, I really, really was like, okay, I can't let anyone, no one's going to give me a curfew. No one's going to tell me where to go. I'm old enough now. If I can have a boyfriend, then I'm old enough to make my own decisions. But the real agenda underneath that is that when you first get a boyfriend, that boyfriend is also looking to uncover their inner child. And an unspoken contract occurs between the two of you because you're both in that energetic space of wanting to uncover your inner children. And what that manifests as is if you support me behaving like a kid, I'll support you behaving like a kid. <laughs> and then you go and you try to have a relationship based on this unspoken contract. And things start to turn sour. Why are things starting to turn sour? Well, because the programming is so deeply embedded and it actually, you're already taught to delve into that external environment and the external environment gives you a feedback that says you need to please me in order to survive. And you realize that the only way to please your external environment because it's your master is to do its bidding. And that doesn't leave any time for that unspoken contract. So you start to resent the person you're with for acting like a child and you don't want to support them anymore. And I think this happens more from females to males than males to females. Yeah, because it, we are we are the emotional side yeah. of the coin. The, the divine feminine is very much the holder of, of the emotion and the feeling and the divine masculine is very much the the seeding energy the planting energy the you know the taking the the thing and and building and creating and making it a reality mm -hmm. the thought or the feeling and so ultimately what happens is you start to resent that person that you're with because while they're supporting you being a child, so they're fun to have fun with, they're fun to go on dates with, they're fun to go on road trips with, they're fun, fun, fun. But if you ventured more deeply into a relationship, you start to think with the adult brain and the adult brain wants to protect. And the way you protect is to make sure, are they viable? Are they working? Do they pay their bills on time? And if that person doesn't fit that side of the equation, which by the way, with such a deep rift between the two sides, it that's why it feels like a big fake out. That's why it feels like the bait and switch when you're in a relationship, because you go in thinking, oh, thank God, my inner child can finally breathe and expand. This is a safe space because this person has an energy that speaks to my subconscious that tells me it is okay to interact with my environment. And interacting with your environment looks like what? It looks like play. This person is fun to play with. But then the old programmings come in and this is where the battle begins. And you, you recognize it as looking like maturity, quote unquote. And you mature yourself right out of relationship after relationship because the person you've chosen supports your inner child's need to play, but doesn't support 
the adults need for safety, security, and maturity. Well, and ultimately that is the, what we're, what we're carrying and what we're fostering, really what we're carrying, like, like we're carrying around a suitcase is that like that emotional baggage that we're speaking of is that karma, the ancestral karma that we are breaking free from yeah. the, the, the not only decades, but generations of this programming being passed down, not just figuratively, but in actuality in our DNA. Yeah. Yeah. From, from generation to generation to generation this that is the period that we're currently starting to break out of and it is not pretty as it's happening because that's a lot of that's a lot of mess to deconstruct mm -hmm. and and the thing that we're replacing it with feels like it's not safe and feels like we're not going to have anything and like we're not going to be stable because we're not hyper-focused on it when being hyper-focused on it doesn't help us get any of those things either. Never has. It never has. Not, not in a healthy way anyway. For well, some no. People, for some people, hyper-focus works to get them all of the material goods they could ever want in life. Uh, but hyper-focus But that doesn't is make them happy. No, exactly. Hyperfocus is a barrier <laughs> to happiness. Yeah. Just like everything the old programs and systems and beliefs require of you is actually a barrier to happiness. And so what you end up with is you end up with a suitcase that holds your inner child full of trauma that it's, you know, she, she's in there really small and curled up in the fetal position, terrified, wrapped up in blankets of trauma. And then you've got a suitcase full of new old paradigms and and programs and beliefs all of these stories and that's your safety suitcase and the two boom 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 you can try and combine them as much as you want and they're just going to bounce right off of each other because those suitcases are hard and there's no way to combine them and so when you start to awaken there is a very slow crawl to unfurling and an energy of exchange between the suitcases as if you put both suitcases down, opened them up and decided I'm gonna combine both of these contents, both the contents of both of these suitcases into one suitcase. It's more like you're the Griswolds on vacation with all your luggage on the top of the station wagon and you've just come to a hard stop in the middle of the fucking desert and all of your luggage has gone flying off the roof of the station wagon. It's strewn out all over the highway and it's being blown away in the dust devil that's just come in. And that's all of your clothes. That's all of your shoes. That's all of your toiletries. That's all of your traveler's checks and your credit cards and all of the things are blowing away and you can't run after them fast enough. And now all of a sudden it's like you have nothing. But the only nothing that that you are are are, are actually handling is all of the construct is going away. 
all of the the things that you have built up in your mind as this is what it means to be secure this is what it means to be successful this is what it means to have accomplished something you know i worked for these clothes i spent three months putting aside you know this much of my money every week so that i could have this luggage and go on this vacation and now all of it is strewn all over the desert and what you're actually getting is a fresh start without the paradigms but that feels scary that feels like the snake losing its skin and 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 not having any bearing of where anything is and all of a sudden you have to turn inwards and trust what's in your heart to actually guide you to the thing that is the real success which is your passion your desire your compassion your gratitude your your real inner knowing of not only yourself and the people that are around you but also of your environment mm -hmm. and that's big that's that's a lot yeah to to wrap your head around and so yeah you you gotta be you gotta be gentle man and expect well and you that, gotta do you gotta do the one thing that you're trained not to do you yeah. gotta give it time you gotta give it time like i'm going through my own version of this right now mm -hmm. i worked my ass off to get through the general schooling portion of my college you know starting having started that process at 40 because i couldn't my my family situation was such that at the time that i was graduating from high school my family was losing the house that they had built that they had poured all of their money all of their hard work into because a a business that a business deal that they had entered went south and basically completely ripped the rug underneath from underneath them and so we were you know finding a house to rent and i was very much involved in that whole process so i was trying to help my family start my life as in just supporting myself so finding a job and did not get to immediately go into that college experience which is something that i had actually looked forward to but like my parents never set aside money for me that was never they were never kind of in a position or even in a mindset to do that because they never went to college um and so it, it wasn't something that they were necessarily thinking about even though that's something that i had voiced that i wanted to do and i was very much a a lover of knowledge and wanting to do those sort of things they didn't recognize that and then this happened and then that's kind of the trajectory that i had taken and then i had at an early age found what i thought was going to be my quote unquote career that lasted basically 17 years and then that went away 
And then I decided to go back to school at the age of 40 and have been very slowly and consistently working my way towards that goal and really enjoying it because a lot of that work had also spurred or spurred on or been in conjunction with or helped to bring about new stages of my spiritual growth as well. My class is always very much went in tandem with the things that I was learning spiritually, which was always really helpful and I really enjoyed. But last year I got my general ed out of the way, came away with four associates degrees, got into the school that I had always wanted to get into, into a program that seemed perfect. And then a few weeks ago, as we were getting closer to the beginning of the fall semester starting, I realized that my financial aid hadn't come through yet. And so I was, you know, on the financial aid department, like what the hell's going on? Like, I don't understand why nothing's happening or nothing's going anywhere. And it seemed like every week the answer was, oh, there's something that you have to go and correct on your paperwork. Just go correct that, send it back to us. And then, you know, we'll get it out by the end of the week. You'll see something by the end of the week. That went on for over a month. And two weeks ago, basically, I figured out or I was notified that I wasn't getting any financial aid. There one one pocket I had already I had already received all that I was going to get. And then I was not eligible for the other pocket that would have been available and with really no explanation why, but I mean, I, I had three days before a rather large payment was due and there was no way that I could make it. And so I had to withdraw from classes for fall that sucked so hard. And I'm still kind of like trying not to get too down about it because I know, I know that all of this other stuff is going on in the background. So I have somewhat of a, a clear understanding that if it's not happening now, it's because there are other things that need to happen now. Mm-hmm. And in large part, I am okay with that, but there are still other things attached to not being able to move forward with that that are really hard. And so, you know, it's like trying to be okay with, and not just be okay with, but really allowing that particular piece to go away for the moment or forever, how long it needs to go away for mm-hmm. and sitting in the space of, okay, if that is not the thing right now, then that means that something else is the thing right now and being open enough and not so consumed by the sadness, the anger, the hurt, of that situation that I am blocking what needs to come to me right now. What the, you know, the, the pocket that I need to be sitting in right now 
or that is going to be more beneficial for me to sit in right now. Um, you know, that's, that's a tough thing to wrap your head around. And I know a lot of people are going through some version of that where, you know, there's, there's either something that they worked very hard for or something that they were very driven about and, and set on and working towards and working really hard towards, you know, and, and making progress with, and then you get to a point and all of a sudden it's like, Err! and even Anne talked about that in one of her, um, in one of the, the three shows that I watched today, she was talking about a big event that she kept trying to put together and had been working really hard towards it, had put a lot of time and effort into it, had put a lot of energy into it. And then things when it actually came down to like starting to put things in place and actually making it a reality, it was like roadblock after roadblock and she couldn't do it. And what ended up happening is that that was right before the pandemic hit. And she was like, I wouldn't have been able to have this event anyway. And then it would have been a super bum out because I would have put all of that extra time and effort into it and gotten everything together and people would have, you know, RSVP'd and, and paid for it. And then I would have been left with the mess of having to go back and, you know, refund everybody and refund the vendors and, and reschedule and, and all of that mess. She's like, you know, I was devastated for a short period of time until I realized, oh, that's why. And so, you know, I, I, I don't have knowledge of the, oh, that's why yet, <laughs> but I know that there is something that there has to be something. Otherwise it would have happened, you know, something would have fallen into place and I would have been able to just, you know, breeze through it anyway, even without the financial aid being a thing. And again you know thinking about how far i've come because you have to celebrate you really do need not have to you really do need to for your own sanity for your own heart for your future for your you know healthy mental state you really should take those wins those small wins of and they're and trust me they're not as small as as you conceive of them as all of those things that you put into place to get to the point that you got to even if the plan didn't work out the way you expected it to that doesn't negate all of that like i'm i'm being very careful to not negate all of the work that I did, even though I've had moments where I have said it out loud and been like, but I worked so hard, you know, and it was all for, you know, it was all for nothing. And I wasted time and there was no waste of time. This, this was, like I said, very intertwined with my spiritual work. And there's no way that I would give up all that I have learned, all that I've accumulated, all that I've been able to share with other people and help them along their path as well. I wouldn't 
I wouldn't go back and, and, and do that just to save myself a little heartbreak for a brief moment of time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I know that I will get past where I am now. It still hurts. And I'm still trying to n- nurture myself through that. But, you know, I, I know that that will lead to something else. Mm-hmm. And I think Heather has something to add to that. I do. The visual that was forming as you were speaking was that of a really large jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it has some places that are all assembled and you can see the full picture. And then it has holes in it, just holes. And they said, you have got to stop thinking of the unfolding as this linear line. We get into the mindset where we've set a goal and if we do not achieve the goal we set, we are stuck in that mindset. And and it narrows our focus to the point where we've done all of this stuff to what end? The goal has vanished, it's disintegrated, it's disappeared, it's been taken away, whatever the case may be. And they're like, you have to start seeing this as a giant jigsaw puzzle. And sometimes you've got to stop working on one area because you're too hyper-focused and you've got to jump to another area because the energies have aligned in favor of assembling more pieces there. And we're always referring to downloads and to these little, you know, breadcrumb trails that we try to follow. We're always referring to them as the puzzle pieces and the puzzle pieces never come in linear. Not ever. There's never a time when we've received a download so complete that it instantly heals one part of us and instantly opens the gateway to unlocking the success in a specified goal. That's not how this has ever worked. It's not how it will ever work. You have got to believe that you're here to put all of the pieces into the puzzle. It's not how puzzles work, period. You have never, ever opened up a puzzle And, you know, puzzles don't necessarily read from left to right or up to down. You've never started in a corner and have gone, you know, this piece and then the piece next to it and then the piece next to that and then the piece next to that and started row by row and filled in a puzzle. That's not even how paint by numbers works. And that has, you know, numbered sections. (laughs) You try to find the corners. And then on your way to find the corners, you find a piece that you're like, oh, that matches this piece, I think. And then you try to put it in there. And then, yes, that matches. And then you pick up another piece and you're like, oh, I think this one goes over on this side. And they're opposite ends from each other. You eventually fill it all in. Right. But, you know, and, and that is again one of those tools that we have given ourselves to help show us that particular lesson these things exist in the physical on this planet to help us grasp those kind of ideas better Mm -hmm. you know something that we can then later look back and validate and go of course a puzzle doesn't work that way right you know, we've been doing this since we were gay high also, and that's never been the way that it works. So why would we expect the rest of life to work that way? Well, because that's what was passed down to us, but it didn't work for them either. And that's the other thing that's so funny is like, and that's, and that's, you know, we don't often have those kinds of really honest conversations with our family. Our, Our family passes down what they want for us 
what they would hope and wish for us, not the practical lessons of what they've actually experienced and been through. You only see, you know, for the most part, most people don't see all the crap that goes underneath. You see the kind of washed over, kind of shinier, you know, polished up version of the absolute, you know, turd of an experience that they went through. Well, I'd say I'd say that that's what social media promotes. And, I, and, I, and it my does. Family, I've seen the turd. In fact, that's where all my trauma comes from. Is just nothing but turds. But on social media, you see the polished up turd. No, but like even in even in my family, even with all of the things that I experienced and I knew a lot of what was happening, nobody ever actually talked about it. So although you saw the thing happening, like I didn't know and understand, I felt, but didn't have that kind of conversation of understanding of what my parents were going through really when when all of those things were happening, when they were losing their house, when the, the business deal went south, you know, like I saw the after effects of that. And I saw the, the, well, let's pick up the pieces and move along sort of, yes. <laughs> you know, but I didn't, I didn't get to, I wasn't privy to, you know, the conversations that I'm sure my mom and dad had, like, on their way to the grocery store or something, you know, when I wasn't around or, you know, in in their business shop when I wasn't around. I'm sure there were other things that were happening that would have clued me in to, you know, maybe they don't have everything kind of well I knew they although I, I knew they didn't have everything figured out but it just seemed like there was always some sort of like like you had mentioned before there was some sort of fallback there was some sort of well we have a plan B and we have a plan C and it just felt like even though in reality they were probably making that up on the fly hell I probably made up plan C and D and E for them and right. we have used some of those plans. I, I know this. Um, but I don't think I fully understood at the time, um, you know, that that wasn't, that wasn't truly something that was fully fleshed out or figured out or, you know, they didn't know if that was going to work. Like my dad is all, my dad is very much one of those people that's like, he wants to be a positive thinker in that particular way of if he puts his mind to it, he can accomplish it. And it, does it occasionally work out in his favor? technically yes sometimes but there's also something happening underneath that he never deals with which is a whole different set of trauma that he creates and a whole different set of 
emotional baggage that gets created not only in himself but with the other family members you know that spilled over to my mom to myself to my brother of just you know my dad having this well it's going to work because it's going to work because i said so and that kind of you know forcing it kind of puts everybody else in a position where they're like well this has to work and we have to bend over backwards doing everything that we can to make it work because dad said it has to work or it's going to work and is not backing down from this there was no other option but the options that he decided were okay to put in place and they were going to be followed damn it and it was going to work out damn it and what it really meant was that everybody else around him is going to bend themselves into pretzels making sure that it happened but in the meanwhile you're creating a, bu a bucket of trauma over to the side here that you're not addressing that is going to show up somewhere and i certainly know that it's shown up multiple times in in my life because now every time i have gotten to a point of like my life exploding the immediate reaction is this is the plan that's going to work and this is the thing that's going to happen next and we're going to go after it and it's going to happen and it's going to it's got to work because come on let's get it together let's get our poop in a group peeps let's do this and let's move forward our poop in a group a poop in a group wow <laughs> you've never heard that term before no i have not you've never heard anybody say get your poop in a group absolutely not well you are lacking <laughs> oh clearly <laughs> but you know what i mean it's like <laughs> you think that you're doing the right thing because this is kind of the template that's been set before you these are the experiences you've had you've lived through those experiences you've gotten over you know you've come through them you've gotten to a particular portion of you know stability or you feel like you've moved through them successfully and in reality what you've done is you've created or perpetuated this particular trauma cycle that you will keep triggering over and over again until you learn to release it and just let the universe hand you what it needs to hand you like you know i'm i'm very sometimes i think about it and and although i don't want to dwell on it i think about well what would have happened if we wouldn't have pushed so hard in that particular direction to make that situation have that particular outcome like what would that have actually led us to like what did we stop unknowingly <laughs> what sort of amazing you know life change and and beautiful manifestation did we squash or nip in the bud so to speak you know because there was this grand plan that was set before us for whatever reason and that's what was followed instead and we had to scratch and claw and basically make ourselves miserable trying to reach yeah. something that was really not any place that we really wanted to be it 
it was just a false sense of stability that we had bought into really. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you think about that and it's like, dang. Yeah. And as you were saying that, as you were getting to that beautiful conclusion, they said this in my head, manifestation does not live at the end of the road you choose to travel. Manifestation lives in the detours you ignored along the way. Ooh, that should be a greeting card or a t-shirt right? or a bumper sticker what? or something. What? Did Hallmark just jump into my brain? What is happening? More like K-House, but like... <laughs> <laughs> it's ours now, baby. Proof is right here. Copyright. Copyright. Trademark. Our inside voice. <laughs> we own that shit. Wow. <laughs> Beautifully put. Yeah, I don't know who's talking to me today, but they are a poet. They are on point. <laughs> yeah. But that's, you know, that's that's absolutely it. And that's part of the shifting and this evolution that we're that we're kind of just in the midst of, you know, I I we're we're just starting to learn how to you know, maybe release a little bit and and just take those leaps of faith really and you know get up out of the nest and learn how to fly without knowing anything that's going you know not knowing the outcome is <laughs> is probably one of our biggest stresses but we kind of put that stress on ourselves. We created that. Uh, yeah. You know, from, from just what we have learned, what we've been indoctrinated into it's, it's interesting to kind of be that, you know, and don't you ever, don't you see those people who are like the fly by the seat of their pants type of people. And it all just always seems that everything works out for them. And you're like, fuck you. Yeah, Nothing's ever that easy for me. Like, how did you just up and do that thing? Like it, Oh my God. It used to drive me crazy. So very good friend of mine. Um, always had this thing when we were teenagers, we go shopping together and it just seemed like at every turn we could pick up the same item in the same store at the same time and her shit would be on sale and mine wouldn't in the same day we bought like two or three different cds that were the same cd from the same place and every time she went to the counter it cost less for her than it did for me and i'm like you bitch why though and then we were going to go, we were buying fair gear and we went to go get sleeping bags and we were at Ren the big fair. five. Yes, run fair. And we were <laughs> buying sleeping bags at the big five. We both chose the same sleeping bag and hers was 50% off. <laughs> I'm like, it's the same fucking bag. And I think, like, hers had, like, a rip in the nylon somewhere or something, which who gives a flying fuck? I didn't care. I was going to put blankets over that shit. I didn't care what it looked like. I just wanted it to be warm. 
And I'm like, why though? Why is it always better for you than it is for me? It drove me nuts. But she was also never, you know, like, and if I think about the time, you know, this is during the kind of beginning of that time when my parents were starting to go through the turmoil of the things with the business deal going haywire. And so I'm hyper-focused on how much money am I spending? I'm hyper-focused on how much money I'm spending and I'm, you know, trying to like drill down to the last penny how much I have to spend. And she's not thinking about any of that. All she's thinking about is, oh, this looks nice. This is the thing that I want. I like this color. You know, this should keep me warm. Or, yeah, this is the CD I wanted. I don't care if it's used. You know, she's she, she gives zero shits about any of those fine details. And so all of this stuff is just kind of falling into her lap because she's not trying to control it with an iron fist. She doesn't have, uh, you know, this horrible grip hanging on to these particular outcomes so tightly. And man, did I. I was wound so tight at that age. Wow. I was, you know, I'm, I've, and I had been that wound up that time pretty much most of my life. <laughs> And I am a lot better now. <laughs> I'm still wound pretty tight. It gives you an idea of the starting point. <laughs> and if I had a little clip from Ferris Bueller right now to interject into this, this is where that little oh, sound bite would Cameron. go. You are Cameron. I've I that was literally one of my nicknames. <laughs> yes. In fact, like I used to do the bit with my with my best friend in high school of the. Uh, that she'll keep calling me. She'll keep calling me if I don't go. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was always sick. So that was another thing that I had in common with Cameron. And I never felt like anything was fun or like I had ever seen anything good because I was always too stressed about everything. Yep. And very much definitely, I always felt like my dad loved his car more than he loved me. Because my dad <laughs> also had... A car that he was very very fond of and even though i know that that's not true i there was there was a good portion of my life where i'm like he totally loves that car more than he loves me in fact he almost named me after the car <laughs> i i was very close had i been a boy i would have been named shelby cobra after his favorite car oh my god yeah so yes that is absolutely where i would have been oh, inserting can you imagine going around especially after karate kid with a name like shelly cobra <laughs> that would have been hard in the 80s man oh and everybody i tell that to is like well shelby could have been a girl's name like i've heard of like girls named shelby shelby is a cool name i could see you being a shelby and i'm like no 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 Absolutely. no the 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 other two the the two names that were the alternate names were the the shelby cobra had i been a boy yeah and the the alternate the alternate girl name that's actually written down in my baby book so i know this is the god's honest truth 
was Misty Dawn. Dear Christ, your parents aren't even hippies. What is happening there? No, I would have been a stripper instead. <laughs> oh, no. Instead, I am I am very grateful to have been named oh, after the bionic woman. So. Oh, my God. Oh, but my yeah. God. <laughs> so, okay, your turn to talk. I, how do you recover after that? Shelby Cobra and Misty Dawn. I, uh. I feel other things are unfolding beyond my control and I, I the conversation has nef- left no place for me. And it's I taken a turn. It's taken <laughs> a turn. It has taken a, it's drifted like Tokyo. It's man. Whew. Okay. I will say that while you were revealing that horrifying account of your childhood, um, after I said a few minutes ago after I said, I don't know who's speaking to me, but whoever they are, they're a poet. Oh, my God. Something went through me. <laughs> the tears, the heat, the chills from head to toe, just like a wave just washed through me. Like whatever was talking to me was like, here I am and entered my body. <laughs> I haven't had this happen in a really long time. And because I had to stay you know, abreast of the conversation, I really didn't have time to explore whoever the fuck that was. But wow, that was a crazy experience. I I had muted my mic so that I could hyperventilate (laughs) a little bit. And, you know, the flappy hands and the rubby fingers and the tears and the like the whole nine yards i haven't had that happen in so long and so whoever it is they were it wasn't just me usually it's me reaching up into the cloud and pulling some you know plucking out whatever someone's gonna hand me almost like a carnival game but this time it was literally someone was like oh i'm here to talk through you and then when i realized they were talking through me they were like and enter here i am and i was like no not right now (laughs) so maybe maybe more will unfold with whatever guide I've tapped into or has tapped into me because that was a very almost unsettling feeling I mean it was unsettling but not in a terrible way but it was almost uncomfortably unsettling a surprising takeover if you will. A very surprising takeover. Seriously, I haven't experienced a takeover like that since my dad jumped me at his sister's 50th wedding anniversary party. Nice going, dad. Oh, well, dad got yelled at for that one. He didn't mean <laughs> to jump me. It's funny because this story came to mind last time we were recording, uh, but it had no place in what we were recording. And I kind of wondered why it came up. And now it makes sense because they were like, hey, heads up, you're going to get jumped. Hey, by the way, you might get jumped. <laughs> but the story behind my dad showing up was I, I was at a surprise party for my aunt and uncle's 50th. I think it was their 50th wedding anniversary. And uh when they got there, a sort of reception line formed that I found myself in. And I was like, oh, is this what we're doing? Okay. And I was sort of at the tail end of it. And I 
was fine when they showed up. I was, you know, applauding with everybody while they were walking in and, oh, this is so sweet. And then all of a sudden I felt that familiar choke of tears, like I was getting some sort of psychic hit. And then before I knew it, literally, it was as if my dad's spirit had come charging from behind ran through my back, hit my front, and was in firmly ensconced in my body. And by the time my aunt got to me to say thank you for coming, I was drenched with tears. My eyes were red and puffy. And all I could say was, Dad's really happy to be here. And she looked at me like, what is happening? Okay, well, thanks for coming coming and then she moved on she did not know what to do with me I didn't know what to do with me and after that I was like look I know you wanted to speak to your sister sister but that was incredibly unfair don't you ever do that to me again it was like sorry I did not realize that I was going to do that 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 was not my intention I was going to stand behind you and tell her what to say to me and I was like that sucked (laughs) he was like I'll never do it again I promise That totally made me tear up. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I was bawling. He wanted wanted to get a message to his sister so bad. He jumped me. And it was was almost like a scene out of, I mean, I've never seen the movie through. But I feel like it was a scene out of Ghost. Like, I felt like Whoopi Goldberg getting jumped and suddenly not behaving like myself. And I had never experienced that before. In all our ghost investigations, well, save for one. that had not happened but when it happened on the ghost investigation it was so subtle I didn't realize what was happening that was the difference but when my dad did it he was like my sister and he like boom like lightning and it just you could feel the physically energetic push of energy into the body see and that's what I think happened with my grandmother only when it happened I was only two when it initially happened so I didn't know what the hell that was mm-hmm. and didn't know how to react to it. And then she just kind of stuck around for 43 years. <laughs> Cause she didn't know how to get back out. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't think she realized that she had stuck around that. Well, that she had jumped in with such gusto and right. had like set up camp. Right. You know, I think she thought she was just kind of like hanging out over here behind my adjacent. shoulder. And it's like, she was adjacent to her granddaughter, no. which is exactly where she wanted to be. But no, she was actually tethered, <laughs> completely tethered and, and, and within. And and it was very funny because um, now the, the thing, the <clears throat> the thing that we talked about previous is going to show up somewhere else later. Um <clears throat> where I kind of explained this whole situation, but the, the short of it is I later on had a very profound spiritual experience. And during that experience, there was very definitely a, a uncoupling that was very much um, not just kind of ceremonial in nature, um, but a very definite like feeling of who I am. I am free of, of being tethered in that way. Like she is still very much hanging out around me, 
and checking in. And I still have, you know, all of the fun knowledge that she had imparted me with. But yeah, she's she's no longer <clears throat> uh, quite so joined. <laughs> we're we're not we're not joined at the hip anymore. So I just got a hit, and I feel like that there's a conversation coming as we get more deeply ensconced in quote shadow season uh about entity attachment because what they just told me was the difference between someone who has entity attachments versus someone who doesn't is a depth of knowledge of their own energy and oh, i've never right i've never really looked into entity attachment it's something that is very uh popular in the qhht past life regression, spiritual community, but it's not something I've ever felt incredibly concerned with, or it's not something I've been called to really look deeply into until this very moment. And I don't know how deep the dive will be there because uh, honestly, now that we've gone through a couple of instances where we've both experienced it, I think the conversation, there's a door that's open to having that conversation. But before today, I, it just, I didn't know where I stood on the spectrum of entity attachment and spirit attachment, that sort of thing. Uh, it's kind of murky waters in my mind in terms of conscious knowledge of it. But the reason they told me the reason it's murky waters for me is because I know my own energy. So when my dad jumped me, it felt like I was being jumped. I could tell that someone was entering me and I was like, the fuck you're not, you know, and I pushed him out uh, as soon as I could. And, and they're like, that's an, an important difference. So I feel like that's something that people are going to want to hear us talk about. I'm no expert. Gonna say it up front. Well, I would be an excellent study for that particular case because I can tell you very firmly that one of my own kind of clues to what was happening with or what had happened between my grandmother and I finally, uh, you know, realizing what what had happened was that I kind of had no sense of myself. I had no sense of my wants, my desires, my like, what would make you happy? Like, we had these conversations where it was like, well, you need to find out what would make you happy. And I'm like, I don't know. And it's like, well, how do you how, how what do you mean you don't know? Or like, or, or what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know what I want. It's like, how can and you not know what you want? And it wasn't just I don't know what I want. It was like I had no concept. Building. Well, it was anxiety building, then panic attack, then complete shutdown and resistance. Then mm -hmm. I don't know what I want. And it wasn't just I don't know what I want in terms of saying I don't know what I want. It's I don't know how to want. Mm -hmm. And that they're saying is a huge tie in to entity attachment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge. Of course. Like, and, and now ooh. it's like a duh. But well, yeah, right. But they're also saying that, oh, I don't know how this all ties together. And I'm sure it will happen in the upcoming conversation because now I know we have to have it. But it ties into everything you've spoken of today with your family and your dad making an edict that this is how it's going to happen. This is what's going to unfurl. That all comes down to part of what went into you not being able to connect with want. 
Well, I am very certain that in my family, that kind of situation of being not just not just having <clears throat> the ancestral karma passed down from one person to another, but literally having that ancestor or like that portion of that ancestor, like literally jump into the next individual and then it being carried on that way, because it is very well ensconced it's like there's there's like family karma and then there's like on another level and yeah. i know that that's happened before and i know that's happened with me before because that was my first encounter with past life regression was a previous portion of me telling me you have been this individual multiple times before and that's kind of like <laughs> you, you jump in and you hijack to try to finish that thing that you hadn't finished yet. That is Instead a new, of, that is a new level of unfinished business. That is, yeah. that is crazy town. And we're going to save it for a new conversation because that is a whole hour. That is a whole in and of itself. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole new thing. That's a whole <laughs> new thing. And we are at our, our, uh, our normal wrap it up time we are and I, think we, I think and we, i think we've reached a fair i i think we've broken y'all in on on what's to come and kind of set the stage for for the future conversations that we're going to okay. have because yeah. this is this this takes a while this is a process this kind of takes a while to go through so it'll actually be kind of nice to to take that journey i think with everyone and uh share what what we go through and all the little hits that we get along the way as as we dive in to the season and not just the fall season or shadow season but the se the season of the shift really yeah. yeah so if you liked what you heard today and uh you can see yourself diving in but you want to dive in a bit deeper stay tuned because we have things in the work in the works for all of you who would like a deeper dive on these topics that we talk about. Well, do you want me to, uh, to lead us out? Sure. All right. <laughs> well, as, as, as you may remember, our mission is to empower you. So if you have enjoyed the show, please comment, please like subscribe and share. It helps us to empower others. And if you would like to stay up to date with our insights, downloads, and upcoming shows, check us out on Instagram, which is using our inside voice, all one word. And until next time, this is Jamie. And this is Heather. And we are using our outside voice to say, stay safe, stay sovereign, and we will see you next time. Peace out. Peace out.